Good morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome to the well here at STSA. If you're just joining us here today, we are in the middle of a series called The Kind That Breaks. And what we are talking about is the superpower that can change the world. Did you know that you have a superpower at your fingertips? And that superpower is more powerful than anything else. It's not the ability to run like Flash, it's not the ability to fly like Superman. It's not the ability to, to, to transport yourself through space or time, but it is the ability to show kindness. And what we're looking at here in this series is how kindness truly can change the world because kindness changes relationships and relationships are what this world is all about. So we are now officially a week in to our 30-day challenge, okay? This is the third week. The first week we had like an introductory uh, message. And then last week we started the first of our three challenges that we're gonna do for 30 days, okay? So for 30 days, we said we would do three things. We'll talk about them again today. But the first one from, from, from last week, it looks like I have a guest speaker coming with me on stage, okay? She's not part of the show, okay? But she is very cute, okay, very good. Go back that way, okay, very good. Thing is, I'm talking about kindness, so I got to kind of practice what I preach right here. So, <laughs> We started last week by talking about how we are going to not be negative. And I won't ask for a show of hands, but I hope that several people have already started to see some change from this challenge. I know that I have started to see some of the benefits of this kindness challenge. I know first thing is I saw I'm a lot more negative than I realized. Did we realize that last week, that we're a lot more negative than we realized? All right, and several people have reached out to me saying, you know what, I've only been doing this thing for a week, but I didn't realize how often I, and then they fill in the blank, how often I lose my cool with my kids, how often I'm so disrespectful with my mom, how often I'm, I'm the negative person in the office. Like I always say it's a negative place, but I realize that I'm the negative person. I've heard lots of encouraging stories, and that's why I'm gonna ask the following thing. The stories that I've heard in this past week, just a handful of them, are too good to keep to myself. So the first thing, that I decided to do, all right, is that on the final week of this series, which will be May 20th, I'm gonna share some of these great stories because there've been some great stories. And I'm gonna encourage you, if over the course of the next 30 days or however long is left, 23 days, that something cool happens, that you see some of the fruit of kindness, all right, and you see some of the benefit of kindness in a relationship. Go to stsa.church kindness. And there you can fill out a little anonymous form at the bottom and you can tell me that story. Or you can just come and tell me, okay? If you wanna just email me or come tell me, you're certainly welcome to do that. But if you wanna tell a story without necessarily saying your name or your husband's name or your wife's name, go there and I wanna collect some great stories to share during the finale of this series because there's some really encouraging stuff. And speaking of stories, there is one of the most famous marriage counselors in this country okay, who lives up in the, in the Northeast, up in the Boston, Massachusetts area, who has him and his wife do this marriage counseling thing. And they're pretty well known because they have helped solve hundreds of marriage problems, hundreds of marriage problems, okay? And couples come to them in dire situation and they seem to be very effective at, at, at the results of helping them get through whatever tough time they're getting through. And they were asked in an interview, what's your secret sauce? Like, what makes you guys so special? How are you guys able to be so effective? And they said the following. They said, their basic strategy boils down to this. When we hear one person say something good about the other, we pass it along. That's their secret sauce. So for example, they told a story 
About one time this couple was, was with them and this couple was in a bad situation in a very negative and he hated her guts and she hated his guts and she saying all this negative about him and he's saying all this negative about her. Negative, 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 negative. And then they separated the two. And he's he speaking to the husband. And the husband is saying, she's a this, she's that, and she's no good. And then he asked her, is there any good in her? Does she do anything good in life? And the husband said, yeah. You know, to be honest, I don't think I could live without her. But she does this and she does this and I can't take this and this is driving me crazy. And then they went to the wife and they told her, this is what your husband said about you, that he can't live without you. And she was shocked. And she said, he's never told me that before. I know all the negative stuff that he, that he said, but he's never told me before that he can't live without me. Then they asked the wife, tell me about your husband. And she said, he's lazy at this and he's no good at this and he's and he's and he's and he is. And they said, anything good about your husband? And she said, well, you know, I do appreciate the fact that he works so hard at work. And I know it's not easy for him. And I know he's under a lot of pressure. So I do appreciate that he goes in day in and day out and he doesn't ever complain. And then they came back and told the husband that. And the husband had a tear in his eye. And they said, why do you have that tear in your eye? He said, because I love my wife and I want her to know how much I love her. And I do this because I love her. And I never thought she noticed. I never thought she appreciated it. Next meeting, they brought the two back together. And they said right from the get-go, the vibe was different in the room. The walls had started to start melting. The guards went down and the rest is history. And they say, they're, again, their secret sauce. Instead of focusing on the negative, we challenge the couple to find things they appreciate about one another. And here's the secret sauce and tell each other to find things they appreciate about each other and tell each other. And they even said that sometimes that when, they, when the things is, is they're not cooperating, they say very simply and very straightforward, very direct, you're not leaving this office until you find 10 things to compliment the other person about. Like when, when push comes to shove and no one's complaining, you know what, I'm locking the door. You're not leaving here until you say 10 nice things to her and you say 10 nice things to him. And what that marriage counselor discovered, which is gonna be our subject here for today, is that praise affirmation, thanks, feeling needed and appreciated is the oxygen for our souls. And you may not realize how much you need to be affirmed, how much you need to be encouraged and appreciate. You may not realize it, but again, like oxygen, it's the kind of thing that when it's there, it's your life. And when it's removed, you feel like you're choking and you feel like you can't go on any further. That's what praise and affirmation is. We all know what it's like to work for a boss who only criticizes and never thanks. We all know, we shouldn't, shouldn't say we all know, but some of us know what it's like to have that marriage, that, that husband or wife who only criticizes and never sees any good. We all, maybe we don't, again, some of us grew up in homes where our parents never saw anything positive. They never saw the A's on the report card. They only saw the B's or the C's. And we all know what it's like to be in that situation where we're not appreciated and we're not thanked. And the word to describe it is, it's demoralizing. It gives you no motivation or encouragement to do anything in life. And the research agrees. Okay, in this book, The Kindness Challenge, which is the basis for our, our, our series right here, the author did a study, okay, about, about these three components of kindness and the effects of it. All right, and I spoke about some of them, about how she discovered that 89% of the people who go through this challenge discover improvement in their relationship. All right, that's what she discovered. But specifically about this one component of praise, specifically about this component of praise, she wanted to take a small sample 
of the people and focus on this particular variable. So in all, this is just for marriages, okay? This, this, this challenge was done across the board, but this particular statistic I'm gonna give you just applied in marriages and it only applied in marriages where people said that they began the challenge offering little to no praise to their spouse on a weekly basis. And they defined that as less than twice per week, you tell your spouse you appreciate them. So in that group who went started with zero to no praise for their spouse to daily praise to every day, because that's part of the challenge, every day saying one positive affirming thing to your spouse. So the group just in marriage that went from zero to little praise one to two times a week offering praise or zero to daily praise. Just for that, let's see the statistics. The results are shocking. In just this small sample size, they asked them, or just a small group, they asked them, how, do you feel, how much do you feel loved and appreciated by your spouse? They asked this group before and after. So the group that was offering the little to no praise daily before felt very loved and appreciated, 12.5%, quite loved and appreciated, 12.5%. So 25% felt loved and appreciated, felt positive. Look at the after. After this challenge was done, 50% felt very and 29% felt quite. That's 79%, that number went from 25, a quarter, to more than three quarters, three times. And look, here's the, here's the great part of it. The person who felt the appreciation and love was the one doing all the work. So it wasn't saying that you appreciated them and you praised them and then they felt better. Like, yeah, I would understand that they felt 79% better. No, 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 no. What this is saying is I praised my spouse. I never said anything, thank you. I never noticed any good. And then I started doing this for 30 days and I felt better. I felt more loved. I felt more appreciated. And the bottom number is the opposite. Do not feel loved was 75% of that group. And now it jumped down to 21% as you see. Overall, more about this particular segment of the group. I told you overall, okay, the number is about 89% effective. In this particular group, okay, overall, the study found that those couples that were married couples, 74% of them said that their marriage improved over the course of this challenge. 74% who did this challenge said the marriage improved. In this group, with the praise from zero up to daily, this group was not 74%. This group said 92% of them saw an improvement in their marriage, saw a change in their partner, saw an increase in the love in the, in the marriage. And here's the best part of it. For all of those couples, not all, but most of them, their spouse wasn't even aware that a challenge was taking place. It wasn't that for 30 days, they both said they would do this. It was for 30 days, one person said, I'm gonna do this unconditional. We talked about that in week one, kindness is unconditional. It's being good when you're bad, okay? When the other person is bad, I'm still good. For unconditional, for 30 days, I'm gonna find something good to say. I'm gonna find something positive to reinforce. And in that situation, we saw 92% of the couples see improvement. What's that? That's a superpower. That's a superpower that you have the ability to change relationships without the other person even knowing that you're doing it. Let's recap our three challenges. These are the three things we're gonna do for 30 days for one person. For 30 days, one person, you pick one person, you do this for 30 days. If you missed week one, not too late to get caught up because we're doing all 30 for, I'm sorry, all three for the 30 days. So you can just start this week and go a week past the rest of us and hopefully it turns in even more. But number one, we're gonna nix negativity. That was last week's topic. And that was no negativity. And you say, I'm not a negative person. We saw last week that there's different ways of negativity. Exasperation is a negativity, complaining, the bitterness, 
okay? The catastrophizing, the suspicion. We saw there are different forms of ne negativity. If you missed last week, go listen to the message online, stsa.church slash kindness. We'll get you all the messages, right? Because you have to do that. Because what last week was, was filling all the leaks in the tub, all right? And this week, we're going to talk about the second one, which is adding praise in there. But there's no benefit to putting praise, putting water in the tub if the bottom has a hole. So if your bucket, this relationship, is full of negativity holes, you can put all the praise that you want. It's all going to be undone through the negativity. So that's the first thing. we got to clog the leaks. And then the second one is we're going to practice praise. And specifically, we're going to do this. We are going to find one positive thing. This is every day. One positive thing that you can sincerely praise or affirm about your person. You're going to tell them and tell somebody else. We're going to practice praising the person who is the target of our kindness challenge. Is there anyone out there who doesn't like to be praised? Like, no, I'm humble and I'm, anyone out there doesn't like to hear their name called when they say employee of the month is? Anyone doesn't like to hear boy, great job? Anyone out there who doesn't like to hear, thank you, you're appreciated, I couldn't have done it without you? Anyone who doesn't like to hear these things, we all like to hear it. But my question for us that we need to look into deeper, why is it so hard for us to say something that we so sincerely desire to hear? Like, why is it so hard for us to give something when we ourselves know how much we need it and we desire it? And if you've ever won the answer, wondered the answer to that, well, you know what? There was a time where Jesus wondered the exact same thing. The story's in Luke chapter 17. And it goes like this. As he, being Jesus, entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. 10 lepers, leprosy was like a, a fatal disease. Okay, didn't go away. Came to Jesus. He heals them. And as they're, or he tells them, go show yourself to the priest. As they're walking to the priest, they find themselves cleansed. What should be the natural response of these 10 men? Well, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? You can almost kind of hear the disappointment in his voice, can't you? 10 men left here sick, and I gave them something to heal them. And then on the way, they were healed. Not while they were with Jesus. So they didn't say, we know they didn't say thank you because they weren't with Jesus at the time. On the way, they found healing. And only one of them came back to say thank you. And Jesus is saying, but where are the nine? Why wouldn't they come back? Just a simple thank you. I appreciate it. You ever wondered this? Like, let's be honest. Why is it that your wife never says thank you for how hard you work? Like, you work hard. You do it for the family. How come she never says thank you? How come your husband never notices anything good you do? He comes home from a business trip and notices all the wrong you did, but he never noticed anything good you did. How come your parent, your father, your mother was never able to say, hey, I'm proud of you. You did good. How come? 
How come my boss only stops by my desk when he's got something negative to say? Like I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, and I know he appreciates it. How come he never stops by unless it's a complaint? We've all wondered what it's like. But we all wondered why they wouldn't do that. And we realize that every single one of us wants to feel appreciated at some point. Every wife, husbands, every wife wants to be told she's beautiful. Wives, every husband wants to hear that he's admired. Parents, every child wants to feel here that you're proud of them. Children, every parent wants to hear that you appreciate them. Everyone wants to hear. It's a universal rule. So why is it that something that we know everyone needs and we need it is so hard to give, especially because it costs us nothing? It costs nothing to say, thank you. I appreciate you. Why is it that it's so hard for us to do? That's what I want to dig in here today. And I think the answer might be a little bit deeper than we're willing to admit. That there may be something under the surface right here that we're going to dig into. And I'm going to give you four reasons why you may not be inclined to be as appreciative, grateful, and praising. And why sometimes even the thought of it in that relationship makes you a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm going to, to, to offer out to you that every one of these four reasons, okay, we'll talk about what it is and what, how we kind of solve it but denote something not good inside of us that we don't like to admit, but we need to address because we need this area to be clean, to be blessed by God. So four reasons, four things that we would say, I don't want to offer praise to this person in whatever relationship it may be. And I'll give you four and you see which one fits you. Number one, but that's what they're supposed to do. We've all said this one, right? Why should I thank him for what he's supposed to do? Thank him for going to work? We need to go to work as his job to go to work. Thank her for cooking for the kids. That's what her job is to do for cooking for the kids. Thank my mom for doing my laundry. That's her job. Yeah, you're 26. It's not necessarily her job, but okay. <laughs> Why would I thank someone for doing what they're supposed to do? Sometimes I'll mention this to a couple that's going through a situation to thank. And they act as if I say, if I say, say thank you for that, or you should offer appreciation for that, as if I'm asking to donate a kidney, Okay that painful? Okay, why should I and he should be motivated and I work hard and he work hard and she work hard and everyone? Why is it that the simplest form of praise, thank you, is often the hardest? I'm going to ask you this question and you answer. When was the last time you thanked that person, whatever relationship it is, okay, spouse, child, parent, coworker, neighbor, uncle, cousin, whatever it may be. When was the last time you appreciated that person even for something not out of the ordinary? When was the last time you thanked your son for unloading the dishwasher? We, we know it's his job. When was the last time you just said, thank you, I appreciate you unloading the dishwasher? When was the last time that you thanked uh, your husband or your wife just for doing, you know, going to work and dealing with their difficult, annoying boss and doing it for the sake of the family? When was the last time you told your boss, your boss, that you appreciate working for him, not working for that guy? Like, when was the last time that you just offered somebody praise? Or if you are the boss, when was the last time that you offered to one of your direct reports a little bit of praise and said, you know what? I'm glad that you work for me and that you work in my division. Why should I thank them for doing their job? Here's the answer. Because you're smart. And I'm gonna tell you a secret and don't tell this to the person that you're doing the thing for, okay? And hopefully they're not in this room, but if they are, whatever, I just told them for you. You're smart and you realize what I'm about to say is the most true thing that you've heard all day. And that is this. The easiest way to encourage a particular behavior is to reward it. The easiest way 
to reward, I'm sorry, to encourage a particular behavior is to reward it. You want your mom not to pry into your business and be all up in your stuff? Then the next time she isn't, tell her how much you appreciated it. You want that person who's in your family who's difficult to tone it down at the dinner table? Then the next time they're calm, tell them how great they did. You want someone in your office to come to your meetings on time? Thank them and notice them when they do. Ladies, I'm gonna tell you, I shouldn't tell you, I know husbands, like I'm breaking the code right here, but I have to be honest here. Ladies, you wanna get your husband to, part, to do anything? Anything around, you want him to clean the garage? You want him to take out, like you want him to do anything? Reward him when he does it. Treat him like a little puppy, yes, that's what I'm saying. Give him a little treat, okay? And you need to know what flavor of treat is his best, okay? Reward him, make a big deal when he does it, and that's the easiest way to encourage any behavior is simply to reward it. The principle is, and you've probably heard this before, is what gets rewarded gets repeated. Thank you. I appreciate you. I value you. I don't know what you, I do without you. You job well done. You're the best. You're the MVP of the year, the most valuable priest. I voted for you, MVP, okay? Like these are things that we all like to hear and we all need to hear every now and then because it's the easiest way to encourage a behavior. Dale Carnegie, who's a very smart man, wrote lots of good books, said, people will rarely work at their maximum potential under criticism, but honest appreciation brings out their best. If the easiest way to encourage a behavior is to reward it, what's the easiest way to discourage a behavior? To ignore it, to criticize, to ignore the good efforts is the easiest way to tell someone this doesn't matter and you never ever need to do this ever again. If we're honest, one of the reasons why we don't like to say thank you to a person is we kind of feel like they owe me, they should do this, they have to. And a lot of times you're right, that person, they do, they have to do it. But you have in your power, the ability to turn have to into want to. You have the ability to turn a task that they have to into a task that they want to. You're a parent, you have a teenage child. You have an opportunity with your praise and affirmation to turn a chore, which is tedious and nobody wants to do it. And you have a chance to turn from that tedious chore into a self-esteem booster for your teenager by saying, you know what? You're good at this. And you have an opportunity to turn something that he hates and is grudging and is bitter into something that he says, you know what? I feel good about myself when I do this because of your praise and affirmation. You in the office, again, you're the boss, you have people who work for you, they're overworked, they're tired, they, they break their backs for you. You have an opportunity to turn that overworked employee of yours into a very motivated one by simply saying, well done. We accomplished our company mission thanks to you. Those little words, that little appreciation can turn have to into want to and you can control that. So that's number one. They're supposed to, okay, do it. And we said, the easiest way to encourage what I want is to reward it. The second one, second reason why sometimes we don't like to encourage, we don't like to affirm, but I don't want to affirm that person because that person is hurting me. That person is messing up my life. Now, caveat before I go on right here, when I talk about hurting, I'm not talking about malicious hurting. 
I'm not talking about someone who's trying to abuse you or trying to sincerely hurt you or hurt your family. That's a different category, okay? That's not a kindness challenge thing. Sometimes that's a call to police thing, okay? That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about hurting me. I'm talking about the incompetent guy in the office that because of his mistake, we all gotta work overtime. Or I'm talking about my husband or my wife who doesn't seem to realize that when the trash can goes to here and there's this much trash, something needs to be done about it, okay? I'm talking about that kind of that person is hurting me, that difficult family member who's just annoying or difficult. That's the kind of hurt I'm talking about. Said another way, I'm talking about the relationship where you're willing to say, I won't do anything negative, but I will not praise this person. Like, I'll go no negative. I'll stop complaining. I won't, I won't try to, 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 to hurt this person or complain, or I won't be bitter. But I'm not going to praise this person. Not after what they've done, not after what they're doing. Nothing praiseworthy. I can't think anything good inside this person. That's who I'm talking about. And to you, I say Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. True story. As renters, okay, we here in the church, we are renters. Okay, we've had different relationships. Okay, we had here GMU, and before that, we had rented from, you know, the hotel down the street. We've had different renting. We rent from another church. So we've had different renting relationships. And one of our renting relationships, there was a point where things got kind of rocky, shall I say. And they weren't treating us very good, at least not by my estimation. Okay, and they were going back on some of the stuff that we had agreed upon. It just, let's just say it just got a little bit rocky. And I wasn't happy about it because you can hurt me, okay? But this isn't about me, this is about us, okay? This is about the church. Like you can take from me, but you can't stop the, the church. And I, I didn't appreciate some of that stuff. So I would go back, okay? And it got kind of contentious for a time. And I was, I didn't say anything bad. I just said the truth and I said it in my truth kind of a way. And then I came across a verse. It's Titus chapter three, verse two, okay? I don't think I put it up on the screen, but it's Titus chapter three, verse two. It said to speak evil of no one and to show all humility to all men. And that verse made me stop. And I said, you know what? I was not speaking evil to these people. I said the truth and I was the truth, only the truth. But I was speaking evil about them and I was complaining about them. And it said, show all humility to all men. And I said, you know what? I wasn't being, I wasn't being humble. I was fighting for my rights and I was trying to protect the church and defend the church. But you know what? That's not how the church works. So I made a decision from that point in time. I said, I'm still gonna speak the truth, but I'm gonna be kind. And I'm gonna be the kindest one in the meeting. And I'm gonna be the most humble one in the meeting. And now, okay, whenever they do anything or when they say something, I'm going to gather myself and I'm gonna respond back kindly. So when they would say, for example, you know, um, you know, you can't do this, you can't do this, and you can't do this. We'll let this, okay, but only in this way. Then I would say, okay, you know what? Thank you for the one thing that you let us do. Thank you. I'm gonna fire by, I want, but you know what? I'm gonna find the one thing and I'm gonna say thank you. And we say, okay, you know, we need this because we agreed this. And they say, uh, but to do that, uh, you're making our life so difficult. I would respond back and say, I appreciate you bending over a little bit for our sake, being flexible. And you know what that did? It It lowered the temperature in the room. Definitely lowered the temperature of the emails. Because it let out some of the pressure, okay? And what I felt, not that the situation got resolved, not, not that magic and everything, okay, there's still, 
Might be some, you know, disagreements. Okay, there might have been some disagreements. But you know what? In the end, I feel good in front of God that we represented Christ well. And I believe that God is going to take care of us because he always takes care of us because it's not my church or your church. It's God's church. And in the end, you're not trying to hurt me. It's God. And God truly has been faithful. And again, not everything has worked out perfect. There's still some, whatever it may be. But God is so faithful when we do things the way he says. And that's what this verse means to me. As once I started, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Once I started to serve up kindness, I began to eat the fruit of kindness. And once I began to serve up humility and love and appreciation and thankfulness, then I began to eat the fruit of it. And those of you who resist praise and resist kindness, you eat the fruit of that as well. That's why I say it this way. The primary beneficiary of my praise is me. That's the strange part about it. That's why it's a superpower. When you do it to others, you're the one who drinks the fruit of it. The primary beneficiary of my praise, that's the statistic I showed you earlier. Those who started praising their spouse felt more appreciated. How's that work? Those who started appreciating felt appreciated. Those who started loving felt loved. That's what kindness is. That's why it is a superpower. So we think to ourselves, that person doesn't deserve my kindness. That person doesn't deserve to be let off the hook. Well, my response is, I don't think they deserve it, but I deserve it. I'm not letting them off the hook. I'm letting myself off the hook. I'm not doing it for their sake. I'm doing it for my sake so I can be at peace, so that I can sleep easy at night, so I can go to bed at night and know that if there's tension in this relationship, it's not because of me. I did my best. And that's this passage here from Romans chapter 12. I love this passage from Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 21. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. As much as depends on you. I always think of that, as much as depends on you. So you know what? If in the end, there's gonna be a problem between me and my neighbor, because I can't control how my neighbor responds. But if there's tension between me and my neighbor, and we both show up in heaven one day, I'm gonna say, God, I wanna say with a clean heart, in front of God, it wasn't because I didn't do everything I could. As much as depends on me, I did everything I could. And yes, I may not have had peace with my neighbor. I may not have ever been able to get along with my boss or my mom or my brother or my sister, whatever it may be. I may not have had that peaceful, but it wasn't because of me. It wasn't because of me. I did everything that I could, as much as depends on you. And he goes on. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. I have no idea what it means to heap coals of fire in his head, but it sounds like something really cool that God is going to do when we trust him to do it. The question that I ask you is, do you want to complain about your situation or do you want to fix your situation? If you want to complain, go ahead, be my guest. If you want to fix, learn to be kind, learn to praise, learn to affirm, even when you're not feeling it. Push yourself to do it is the only way to find peace. Third reason that we sometimes don't want to offer praise, and this is kind of the sneakiest one. And that's because they aren't doing it the right way. Read, they aren't doing it my way. I would thank him for putting the dishes in the dishwasher, but he never does it the right way. He always does it the wrong way. They're all supposed to face 
you know, south or whatever, okay? He or she doesn't put away my clothes the way I told her to put away my clothes. You know, one time, honest, in front of God, I heard a wife complain about the husband who was vacuuming the house. A husband was vacuuming the house, okay? Like most wives, if you find out your husband vacuumed the house, like you throw a party, you'd say like, this is a miracle. Okay, this is like, make this day a holiday. The husband was vacuuming the house and she complained in front of God. The lines were going the wrong way. <laughs> This one is especially dangerous in the home life, the spouse and the child. So I'll read you some examples, okay? I'll give examples about the child, but I wanna go for the marriage one. I'm gonna try to stay away from getting anything thrown at me. So I'm gonna read from this book, okay? Some examples here. So now you think that I'm talking about me and my wife here, so I stay clean, all right? This was a lady, okay? A wife and a mom of three kids put it this way. Looking for ways to appreciate what my husband does really made me see how controlling I've been by doing everything. Since he works the night shift, I sometimes feel as if I'm a single mom. I do all the shopping, handle all the kids, schedule appointments. I haven't really let him do anything. I've always thought he didn't want to, and I thought, well, if he's not going to, someone has to. But I realized I've never backed off and given him an opportunity to do things his way without second-guessing his choices. When we made decisions about the kids, he would give input, and without meaning to, I would say, well, I'm the one who's here all the time, so we're going to do it this way instead of that way. No wonder he backed off. And no wonder I had a hard time at first finding things to appreciate. Okay, basically, every time, again, every time that person says, I think we should do this, that's a stupid idea. I think we should go here, that's a dumb idea. I think that's a dumb, why come he never contributes? Well, because every time he contributes, you tell him what an idiot he is. Another example, I recently realized why my husband isn't doing much around the house. It's because I criticize the way he does things instead of praising him for doing them. Last night, he folded all four loads of laundry and put them away. Again, an event that would cause a, a, a massive okay, uh, celebration, a holiday, a day off of work, if it happened in my house for sure. Okay? Last night, he folded all four loads of laundry and put them away, but he was sort of shoving the clothes into our son's drawer. And I caught myself about a half second before I told him he was doing it wrong. I realized it is so not important that he does it the way I would, but that he just does it. If there's something that truly matters, I can bring it up later, but what he needs at the time is a sincere thank you. No commentary on that one. But I'll tell you this, something else I read about a child who expresses the same thing about his parent. Okay, and this is a child who was talking about when he was younger, but he's a little bit older right now. And he said this, Talk about how his dad would never appreciate him. He said, if my dad would come to me and say, thanks, but it should have been done this way. Thanks, but it should have been done this way. So the dad in his mind, he's thanking him, but he's just help, helping him improve. Okay, what I call my house, not criticism, but process improvement. Okay, that's what, I, that's what we call it, all right? Thanks, but it should have been done this way. The child said, it's like a stab in the gut. It's the no thank you, thank you. It's the no thank you. Thank you. I don't know if he, listen up parents, this is, this is tough. I don't know if he realizes it or not, but everything he says after the word, but cancels out whatever was before it. Yet if he sees something I did and gives me the most basic sincere thanks, I'm flying. 
if you insist on your way alone, don't be surprised if you end up alone as you do it. If you insist that it has to be done your way, don't be surprised if you spend the rest of your life doing it your way by yourself because you pushed aside all the people who are closest to you who wanted to help you. This is my nice way of saying, don't be a control freak. Don't do it. I know it's great, okay? And as, a, as a, someone who is inclined to be a control freak myself, it is great to be in control until you realize the damage that's left behind in your wake. Don't be a control freak. Don't view your way as the only right way, okay? Your way may be the best way, but it's not the only way that there may be other ways to put your son's clothes in, in the drawer. There may be other ways to vacuum, to, 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 to do that report. There may be other ways that things can get done. And we have to learn to appreciate people, even though their way not be the same as our way. St. Paul, who was pretty good at what he did. St. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 7, 7. I wish that all men were even as I myself, meaning I think I found the best way. But you know what? Each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. If you've ever worked for someone who insists that their way is the only way and it has to be their way, you know how demoralizing and discouraging that is because you always feel like you're trying to live up to someone arbitrary set of expectations. Like I said, if it's from a boss, if this was a parent or this is a spouse, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, I'm talking to you if that's you. Don't be that person. The damage caused is greater than what is accomplished by all the lines facing the right way or all the dishes facing south. The damage caused is much greater. Last reason why we don't like to praise, and this is just kind of the catch-all, but they're just so annoying. I just don't want to praise. And let's be honest. Each one of us, there's a part inside all of us that's just not good. We all have a little ugly inside of us and we don't like to bring it up. We don't talk about it at the dinner table, okay? But all of us have a little piece that, you know what? That person just annoys me. That person just annoys me. I don't wanna be nice to them. I don't wanna praise them. I don't wanna thank them. They drive me crazy. You know what? You got that person in your mind that drives you crazy? You got that person in your mind right now that drives you crazy? Everyone got someone in their mind that drives them crazy? No pointing, just thinking, okay? Everyone got that person in their mind that drives them crazy? Did you know? Those are the people that Jesus spoke the most about. He spoke more about the crazy makers in our life than about our friends. And look at this passage that he says right here in Luke chapter six, with your crazy maker in mind, the person that makes you crazy. He says, if you love those who love you, whoop-de-doo, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those who, from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But you, listen carefully, crazy maker in mind, you love your enemies. You do good and lend. That's the kindness. Love, not just like I love them in my heart and I, 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 I want nothing to do with them. No, love them and do kindness, do good, lend, hoping for nothing in return and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. 
you will be sons of the most high. Jesus actually said it earlier in the same chapter where he said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. You are your father's son. You are never more your father's son than when you are kind to someone who doesn't deserve it. So I say it this way. Undeserved kindness is the measure of our Christ-likeness. This is the differentiator. This is the litmus test of where we are in terms of becoming like Christ. Yeah, you can read the Bible all you want. That's good. Yeah, you can pray. Fantastic. Yeah, you can go to church. That's great. You're already here. But the test, the measure to how you know where you are on the spiritual spectrum is your ability to offer undeserved kindness to those who least deserve it. That means being lovable, loving to the unlovable. That means being giving and gracious to the ungrateful and greedy. That means being patient with the intolerable. That means accepting the unacceptable. Again, what I said earlier, some of you, your mind's gonna go to that worst case scenario. I'm not talking about the abuse. I'm not talking about injustice. I'm not talking about lies. I'm not talking about malicious behavior. I'm not talking about that. We don't accept that, but we do accept that person. And we make a distinction. We have to make a distinction between the issue and the person. The issue is black and white. Wrong is wrong and right is right. There's no gray when it comes to issue. The issue is wrong. Lying is like, that's the issue. That's wrong. I agree with you. But that person is a child of God. So I need to be able to separate the issue, which Christ would say, that's a sin, that's a sin, that's a sin. From the person, Christ would say, that's my child. And you have to be able, if we're going to be like Christ, to be able to be kind to somebody because they're a child of God, even though they may not be acting it with their actions. The other day I was reading, this year I'm reading the Psalms. Every day I'm reading one Psalm. Okay, me and my wife read it and we kind of go deeper and we kind of share about, okay, this Psalm together. And last week I read Psalm 51, all right, which is the famous Psalm of repentance when King David had sinned against God. Okay, so lie, murder, and adultery. That's three of your top 10 right there, okay? And one fell swoop. That's pretty bad. Like right off the bat, he's not doing well. Lie, murder, and adultery. And then he repented. And in the very first sentence of that psalm, he said, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. And this made me pause, especially because we're doing this series on kindness. And I didn't know loving kindness is a word. It's like a really cool word because it's like two great things like finally together, you know, like loving and kindness. And what King David said right there, murder, lie, adultery. I can't approach God. You can't murder, lie, and adultery. And then, hey, God, how's it going? Like you can't. So there was a barrier. And he said, I got to get to God. I have to be back because I miss God. And I miss that life with God. How do I enter God's presence? What's the door to get to God? The door is loving kindness. Because yes, God is holy. Yes, God is all powerful. Yes, God is omniscient. Yes, God is eternal. All those characteristics of God are 100% true. But the door that enters me into all that mystery of God is his loving kindness. Like if God were a circle, and I'm not saying he is, but if God were a circle with all the different, like I said, holy, uh, almighty, 
uh, uh, all-powerful, uh, all-knowing, uh, all, God is his circle. The only door that gets me into God is the door called loving kindness. And the only reason I have a relationship with God today, the only reason I'm in this church and you're in this church today is because of loving kindness. And loving kindness, when I open this door, thank God for this door, then I enter the mystery of God and who God is. But if not for his loving kindness, I could never get in. I could never enter the door of holy. I could never enter the door of all pure. I could never enter into the door of, of all loving. I could never enter those doors. But kindness Thank you, God, that you have a door called kindness. Because when I see this door, I can come. The Samaritan woman, full of sin, saw a door called kindness, and she entered the mystery of God. St. Paul, the murderer, the Christian killer, like not just killer, but killer of the good guys, found a door called kindness, and he entered in. Even Christ on the cross, the worst day for all humanity, he opened a door called kindness by saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Yes, they do know what they do. They do. I read the first part of the chapter. Like, they know exactly what they're doing. But thank you, God, that you opened a door called kindness, and you allowed me to walk in. You know why kindness is a superpower? Kindness is not magic. Kindness is not a gimmick. Kindness is the power of God the power of God in your life. The power of God in your life. Like here I am in this office and it's a wicked place and I'm gonna take the power of God and I'm gonna put it in your office. How? Kindness. I'm gonna put the power of God in my home, my friction-filled home. How? With kindness. I'm gonna put the power of God in any relationship, any relationship, you put the power of God in and you just watch stuff happen. Not because magic, not because me, not because you, not because I got some foolproof formula, but because it's the power of God himself is what kindness is. And I thank God for it. Proverbs 16, 24, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Our challenge for this week is to find one positive thing. We're keeping the challenge from last week. We're not doing this instead. We're still not negative. Now we're gonna add the positive, okay? Find one positive thing that you can sincerely praise or affirm about your person. Tell them and tell someone else. What this comes down to is very simple, is who is going to take the power of the living God and bring it into their relationships. You don't realize it. A little thank you here, a little appreciate there, a little well done there, a little I couldn't do this without you. You don't realize that what that does, it brings God himself into the midst of this relationship. And when God's in the midst of the relationship, you just watch out. Stuff is gonna happen. Let's stand together and say a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, when God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your loving kindness. Lord, without it, none of us could stand here before you. None of us could even lift our eyes towards heaven. We thank you that you gave us kindness when we don't ever, ever, ever deserve it. That you found a way, Lord, for that we're eternally grateful, and we want to turn that around and show kindness to somebody else. Help us, Lord, as we go out this week. It might be tough as we think about that person, Lord, 
but give us like the courage and the power to show kindness, to, to keep the negative away, and then to find ways to praise. And we pray, Lord, that through that, through that simple act, that you would work mightily in our homes, in our workplaces, in our church, in our communities, Lord, and most of all, in our hearts. We pray this in the name of your Son, the prayers of all of your saints. Here, as we pray thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.